0: You're listening to What Book Hooked You I'm Brock Shelley and thanks for listening In this episode I talk to Christy Wintage Whose middle grade debut Karma Kular's Mustache Comes out on August 15th And Christy was a pleasure to talk to And you'll see that this is one of those episodes Where the book that really hooked her Or in this case an author Really stayed with her throughout her life And really has influenced who she has become as a writer Uh, So take a listen so, Christy, what book hooked you?
1: Well, it's a really great question, but my answer is not really a book it's uh, an author um, because I, I, mean, I was a prolific reader as a kid, um, but definitely everything Beverly Cleary wrote was i you know I would snatch it up and read it a million times, and I think what struck me with her was she just wrote everything. And I thought that was amazing that, you know, I could read all of her books and there'd be so many different characters. And I, I liked the Ramona books, but honestly it was the Ellen Tebbit's book that really was one of those that I read that over and over and over. And I think my mom still has it at home. Uh, it, I just remember her standing at the ballet bar and that was just, like, one of my favorite books. I just, I loved her. And um, I also liked the books about uh, Ralph S. Mouse. I thought, you know, like, I just, I wasn't much of an animal, like, dog book person. But I did like all of those books with the mouse. And um, and then when I was in fourth grade, and we got the Scholastic Order form, and 15 was in there, and I realized oh my gosh, you know, she writes for teenagers too. And even though I'm only in fourth grade, which what, how old are we in fourth grade? Like 10 like, or 11?
0: Yeah, like nine, yeah. somewhere around there.
1: Not, yeah, yeah, we're quite young. But this book was about a 15-year-old girl. And I was like, oh my goodness. I remember like feeling nervous about ordering it. And not sure if my mom would let me. But honestly, I think my mom was like, if I was getting it from this Scholastic book thing, it must be okay. Um, but I just remember getting it and like, Pouring over that book for weeks, you know, about this same you know, teenage girl. And so all of this mixed together, I had started writing these books about this teenage mouse that got to travel all over the world. And like, it was everything I thought teenagers could do. Like, you know, they had endless resources to travel or do whatever right. they wanted. Parents never said no, you know, like, that's what I thought teenagers were. So that's actually like, how I got. I mean, I wrote books before then but I would have to say I think seeing Beverly clearly be able to write so many different things I realized like oh like I can do anything I don't have to do one thing I could write about anything so she kind of yeah broke that mold for me I guess
0: and so it sounds like and you kind of mentioned it that you were always kind of into books like you Mm -hmm. you were never what they would consider like a reluctant reader at all
1: no. Um, honestly, I can't remember not being able to read. I mean, obviously, there was a stage I was learning to read. But um, no, I, my parents, um, in our house that I grew up in, they had converted the garage to, like, a playroom. And one whole wall was just lined with bookshelves. And, um, yeah, we just had, like, loads of books. So – and I, I also have read it – I can't remember – where, if it was in that one of those um in a book about how uh, if you know just being exposed to having books in your home, whether or not anyone is reading them, like it helps you later on in life, like with your academics and all mm-hmm. that. But honestly, like we had sets of encyclopedias. so I'm really aging myself here. like right. and like all kinds of, you know, just random books. And I just remember I was obsessed with like series, anything that you could have, like fill up a whole shelf, you know, like the whole row of a shelf, like the babysitters club obviously was a big one of mine. But yeah, like, I don't know, we had my mom's old books, my dad's old books. And it's not that my parents really read to us. They're busy, they ran their own business. So honestly, we were left alone a lot. And I did watch a lot of TV, but I also did read a lot too.
0: And so at what point what you said, then Beverly Clear was kind of a big influence you um, when it came to writing, when yeah. did you actually start to write, and what were those first attempts at story making?
1: Mm. Um, honestly, as far back as second grade, I was writing, and um, I think then I was just doing like little things like I was kind of copying things that I had read and just um i mean. Honestly, I remember like doing this uh, story about a bear who liked books. That was the title. And I would like make my own cover. And I remember I'm a horrible speller. I'm still a horrible speller. So I actually, I showed it to my brother. I was really proud of it. And he started cracking up laughing. I'm like, what? And he's just like, it says the bear who licked books. And I was like, (laughs) oh, like, yeah. So even in second grade, I did it. And then in fourth grade, I think this is a really pivotal year for me because I had this amazing teacher who just graduated from university. And she was, you know, one of you know how like they're full of life and ideas and uh she wanted us to um really explore creative writing and she knew like even then, I don't really remember ever saying it but I must have many times, she knew I wanted to be an author. And so Uh, we did this reading test, and we got broken up into, you know, like, levels for which class to go to, depending on what level of reading you were, and I remember I didn't go to the highest class, I was devastated, and I went home crying, like, I'm not in the highest class, I got in, like, the second highest class, and my mom's like, oh, that's weird, you know, like, I wonder why, so when she called my teacher to say, oh, you know, how come she's not in this class, and She's like, oh, actually, she could go, but I wanted to keep her in my class because we're going to be doing a lot of creative writing. And mm. I know this is passion, so I wanted her to stay in my class. And I don't know, but there was something about it where even though I wanted to stay there and do the writing, I also didn't want people to label me as someone who sure. wasn't a good reader. So I actually said, and so she gave me the choice. You can stay with me in my class or you can go to the higher reading class. And I said, I wanna to go to the higher reading class. And I remember the look on her face was just like, oh. So actually she still would take, I think it was right before recess, we had like um, like a not even a whole period or a whole class, maybe thirty minutes, and she would have us like share anything we'd been writing. So it was really nice that she still kind of incorporated it. And so my friends and I like we would make all these plays and we would perform it before recess. And so she then for the whole class, what she did was we all had to write um, a story and there were some parameters to it. And then she sent it out and she didn't tell us, but she sent it to like um, some publication. It was called The Right Stuff. And it was that only published um, students work and mine and another girl in the class, it got chosen. And I really honestly was like, that's it. It's, you know, like. I'm it I'm an author now and it's gonna be smooth sailing from here on out. I'm the youngest published author in the world. And I remember right then in fourth grade being like, Okay, by the time I'm eighteen, I'm gonna have a book out. You know? And it was something I honestly I that dream I did let slide through high school because you know, you get busy in high school with Sorry. social things and sports and I kept saying okay, not eighteen, it'll be twenty. And then, you know, when I'm in university, I'm like Okay, i be 21. And then you graduate. I'm like, okay, I still didn't do it. And then life happens, jobs happen. And it was something I kind of really put on hold at that point. Um, and honestly, I didn't pick up writing seriously. I did it as a hobby. Um, still off and on, all the way until um, uh, my third. Maybe I was pregnant with my third child and i just kind of was i just remember being at home and like trying to adjust to this new life of i'm not working i'm at home and i and i think it also came to a point where everywhere i went i felt invisible everyone notices cute little kids you know they don't notice the mom behind these kids so like you just feel really invisible and everyone would say oh you're Sylvia's mommy oh you know and I wasn't like I have a name you know like but no one knew my name and I came home one day and I was like that's it like I have to do something for myself and I just dug through some drawers found some old things I had been working on and I said okay, I'm gonna take these handwritten pages I'm just gonna type them out and I think it was maybe six handwritten pages of a story I started when I was pregnant with my first child that I never really finished So I just started typing it out and the, you know, six handwritten pages turned into like a hundred page manuscript. And that's when I started to say, okay, what do you do now? Like, I don't know how to end this thing. So I started researching, you know, good endings. And then after I ended it, I was like, well, what do I do now? And, you know, like from there, it just became like a trail of trying to figure out uh, what do you do? How does you actually become an author? How do you actually get published? And yeah.
0: And so when you were if to back up a little bit when you were sure. you know high school you know teenager or maybe mm-hmm. in the college when you saw yourself as a writer what did you see yourself writing what type of things
1: Um I think I always knew it would be like children's books um And at that point, I didn't know the difference between like middle grade or YA or uh, chapter books. I didn't really know, but I knew like, um, I guess I always just knew it would be for kids. Um, Yeah, because I mean, I loved Judy Blume. Um, I guess even now some of her stuff is considered YA, but that whole genre, like anything I ever wrote was always contemporary. Always about a kid who is between ten and twelve. Um, not always. I did try to write a few science fiction things, but that didn't work out very well. Um, yeah, I think always. I always have known like that's just kind of my sweet spot, and because also um, I trained to be a teacher, and that's the age group I've always loved working with. Anywhere between like you know fourth, sixth, seventh grade.
0: And so then time passes and you Mm -hmm. kind of rediscover kind of your love for writing. So what was those, that story that was just six handwritten pages at first, uh, Mm -hmm. what was that story?
1: Yeah, that story, actually, I used to write books for like my friends and family, like short stories for them on their birthday. So, um, and sometimes they were just really silly, like, Uh, it'd be inspired by like maybe some photographs. Like one was for my brother for his first father's day. I found a bunch of these old photographs of him when he was little and I just kind of made a story out of the pictures and like, um, so I kind of did that kind of thing forever. But I just remember it was um, a really good friend of mine who we've lived, we lived in China together and then she was visit. she came to my wedding when I got married in London and it was like, you know, we have a really special bond and she has, really long blonde hair and it was always like this joke that we because um especially living in China you know she stuck out like a sore thumb and so we always had this running joke about her long blonde hair so I was just writing this story about this girl who had really long blonde hair and it was mostly like a lot of inside jokes between like her and I and some of our friends and it was um I mean, it was starting to take a bit of like a magical element to it. And I was just kind of going with it. Because like I said, I am mostly a contemporary person. I I can't really go beyond that. So it was, yeah, just about this girl. And she had these two um, sisters who were really mean to her. Because when we lived in China, my roommate and I, we just teased her about her hair. Because if there was hair on, long blonde hair on the ground, we were like, that's yours. It's not ours for sure. Uh, just teasing her. So it just kind of went from that and morphed into this funny, kind of crazy story. And so when I actually rewrote it, um, I did make it a bit more magical and took out some of the inside jokes that, because I was obviously not writing it just for her at that point. I was writing it for uh, a bigger market, I guess. But yeah, that's kind of, that's what I was first working on.
0: And how far did you get with that book did you try to send it out to agents uh or was it just something you kind of was your first stab at things
1: um it's really embarrassing to admit this but i did query it but actually um i only queried it to one agent and she was like this dream agent i had and i followed her blog religiously i actually even did a um webinar, like a writer's digest webinar with her. So she had seen the first couple of pages and she had critiqued that. And so I had reworked some of it and I, I did actually have, at that point I didn't have any critique partners. I actually didn't know anyone else who was writing at that point. I had only confided in one person and said, I'm doing this thing. Like, I don't know why I just, Felt like I had to keep it really secret so this one friend who I told she was like okay you have to email me like every few days like whatever you're working at, I want to read it so I was getting feedback from her and I mean she's just a friend and a nurse like no like she loves to read but in that sense you know like I don't know uh it wasn't I, I don't know I think I was scared to find other writers and get feedback from someone who I thought might really know what they're doing, I guess. I don't know. So it felt good to get advice from a friend in that sense. So I did have a bit of eyes on it, and I did have a bit of revision going on. So it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't very good either. So I did query it, and um, she was nice and did respond, but it was an obvious, you no, know, you got a lot of work to do, you know.
0: And so, you know, where did you go from there at that point?
1: Um, after I did that, actually on this agent's blog, she did a, um, like a, a critique, uh, matchup type thing, like, or a critique partner matchup. So you could put your, uh, the genre you write, the, um, age level you write and kind of like a short description of what you're uh, looking for or what you're working on. So people could then go through all the comments and uh, email a few people that you thought might be a good fit so from there uh, there were two people that really stuck out to me and I emailed them both and actually I'm still critique partners with both of them uh, so I made two really good connections with them and when I um, did finally like connect with them I had I think I was still working on the same story but only for a bit like I had them go through maybe half of it and by the time they were getting through half I was like yeah actually I don't think this is it this is like this isn't the right book and that that is then when this friend of mine who had uh, been reading my chapters from the beginning she called me out of the blue and said, you know there's a writer's conference going on and today is the last you know like tomorrow's the last day or whatever and she's like I want you to go you have to go I'm like what am I going to do with the kids? And she's like, don't worry. I've got it covered. I'm taking your kids. I'm going to do this. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. And then I looked up the thing online, and it was like this master class. is going to be $250. And I'm like, it's, I hadn't really even told my husband I was writing. So then I'm like, how do I ask him for $250? dollars i feel I'm feeling really guilty. And my friend was like, you just have to do this. Like, it'll be fine. Just do it. So, of course, my husband's like, yeah, okay, what is it? You know, he's all confused. Like, why am I going to this thing? So I went to this master class and the speaker there made some comments about, like, the significance of characters' names and she was relating it to the, you know, like, her book. And I don't remember the exact thing she said, but I just kind of had scribbled down a note. And when I got home... Um, I was like, oh, yeah. I I had always had this idea for a book about a hairy girl because I think this is something I wanted to read growing up. I always felt out of place, always felt different. And growing up in the Midwest, you know, you've got a pretty monochromatic group of friends. So I don't know. I was just like... Judy Bloom never wrote that book and I'm looking for it and you know, who else is going to write this book? So it had always been in the back of my mind about, I have to write about a hairy girl. But I think the reason why I kept shoving it aside was because I was thinking, how do you make a story out of that? You know, like, I can't just write about that. Um, it didn't seem like enough to carry a whole book. So then with this piece about a name, the significance of a character's name, something about that just kind of clicked and I the body uh cream I use is called karma cream and I'm just looking at it and I'm like karma like that would be like a cute name and I was like oh then maybe she could be mixed like my kids you know she can be part Indian part American and then I'm like okay and then from there like all these pieces just started falling into place and I realized oh, my gosh, I've got my hairy girl. I know who she is. And, I mean, it was still at that point very much. I knew her name. I knew a bit about her family. I knew she was going to be hairy. But I didn't know how else I was going to, again, carry it for a whole book. But that's when all the pieces really started clicking and falling into place. And I knew, like, okay, now I have something. And I I think I knew even then, like, this is it. This is going to be it. And I'm not going to stop until I get this where I need it to be.
0: And so – that's a good segue to talk about your, your mm. debut. So give us a brief synopsis of what the book's about. You've already kind of said, you know, a hairy girl, but mm-hmm. give us a little more of a synopsis of what sure. what's about.
1: Okay. I am really terrible at being brief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could never do an elevator pitch. I would be like, oh, yeah, and this happens. Oh, yeah, and that. I'll try to be as brief as possible. But, yes, yeah, so uh, Karma is starting middle school. And pretty much everything in her life, is changing, like her family dynamics, you know, her brother's more of a teenager and uh, her friend is, you know, also I think maturing uh, faster than her and in different ways than her. And uh, then karma's feeling really out of place also because she has really realized all the facial hair that she has, like the mustache. And it's really bothering her. She doesn't know what to do about it. And her dad is now the one who's the, stay at home parent. Her mom is working. So she really feels like, you know, who do I ask about this? How do I figure this out? There's no one to talk to. So she really has to try to figure it out all on her own.
0: The last name, it would be pronounced coolers, right? Cooler. Coolars. Okay. Yeah.
1: And actually, I chose that name for a reason because like my last name growing up, no one can pronounce it. And everyone's always mispronouncing it. And it just became like a running joke when I was in school like um, so I actually also with her name was thinking I want it to be one of those things where if you say it like really American it will sound a certain way but you know because this happens when my husband and I were choosing names for our kids everything every name we came up with we had to be like okay how's my grandpa gonna pronounce this like how's your mom gonna pronounce right, this right. you know we had to like so even with Karma's last name I'm like it has to be Indian obviously because her father is Uh, Indian and I said I want it to be funny where like some people can be like oh is it cooler like karma cooler because she's totally not cool you know she feels like such a dork and yeah that's kind of where I started like with her last name
0: and so as you had this idea uh, Mm -hmm. and so did it did the story come quickly to you or was there kind of a struggle to kind of kind of journey through this book
1: yeah I think definitely parts of it were very obvious from the beginning. Um, But some parts, it took a while to figure it out because I'm actually much more uh, character-driven, not plot-driven. So there were times where I felt like I'm enjoying this, but I don't know if a kid is going to enjoy reading this. Like, I need more plot. But then I also didn't want it to feel fake or forced or you know sometimes you read a book and you're like uh it's just so over the top maybe you know like and obviously with contemporary I think you can get away with it sometimes being a bit more slow and not so plot driven but I also realize I am writing for kids and they're kind of going to want a bit of a page turner so it was a struggle to make sure it was engaging enough I guess I mean definitely I knew karma, I, I really knew who she was, her voice was very strong to me. But um, at first, she was actually an only child. And it just wasn't working. I was like, something is missing. And I realized, like, she really needed an older brother. I mean, I grew up with two brothers. And I, I think it really makes you resilient. And you can, if you can deal with your brothers teasing you, then when you go to school, and people tease you, you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, I've heard that all before, you know, it doesn't affect you as much. And I realized, like, karma really needed like some sort of and her strength, you know, that she could tap into it. And so once I gave her an older brother, other little things started making a bit more sense to me with the plot. But definitely, I'm the type of person who will add way too many threads. Like, I love a super layered story. So once my agent and I started working on it, she's like, yeah, this thread, is cute, but do we really need it? I'm like, oh, really? Like, I, it kind of hurts to get rid of some of it. But at the same time, I realized that it's much better, it's much more streamlined. But definitely the biggest struggle for me always is the ending. Um, I don't know. I just didn't want it to be too neat and tidy. And actually, I really didn't want uh, Karma and her former best friend, maybe still best friend, to still be friends at the end. I kind of wanted them to be like, it's over and like walk away from it all. But um, yeah, after a bit of talking, like we kind of changed it to where I think everyone was a bit happy with how it ended uh, yeah, but I think ending is probably the biggest struggle I have always.
0: And so once you kind of got this book to a point where you thought it would, uh, you could send it out to agents, what was that process <clears throat> like? What was your journey uh, in trying to get this in front of an agent?
1: Okay, well, like I said, like I did have critique partners by this point, And actually, I from the two i got initially i did write um, on con and that's like an online writers conference and i met a few people cuz on there like you have to critique and then re-critique people who have critiqued you and blah 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 so like you're kind of networking on that so through that like people who i actually felt like got what i was trying to go for i reached out to them and said you know would you like to swap some more pages and then funnily enough the first person I'd asked was like oh yeah there's about you know six or seven of us who have you know connected and we're going to start a private Facebook page do you want to join and I was like sure so from there I suddenly went from two critique partners to almost 20 that I could like you know we, we just kind of post and say I've got this anyone available to read and whoever's available will comment so
0: um
1: I had a lot of people reading it, and so I felt like my story was in pretty good shape. And all of these friends of mine on the Facebook group were like, "Oh, like they're always talking about contests. They're always joining all these contests. They're doing like Twitter pitches." And I was just like, "No, I, that's not really my thing. I'm not into contests. I thought, you know, I'll query this. And um, I did query. I think I sent out maybe five queries my first round." And I was just silent, like no rejection, no answer. So I'm like, okay. So um, one of them had mentioned again, like, oh, this contest is coming up. It sounds really good. And I was just like, I'm not really a contest person. I thought, okay, what does it hurt? It doesn't cost anything. So we all kind of got our uh, pitches ready. And I entered. And I woke up the next day and was like, Oh, like I got in. Like everyone in my group is freaking out. Like you were chosen. Your one is chosen. I was like, oh, oh, what does this mean? What do I do next? Like I didn't prepare for like what to do next. Um, so through this contest, um, actually my agent had seen it, but she told me like she passed on it because she thought I think the way I had pitched it was, uh, are you there, God? Um, Bollywood. I put something about are you there, God? It's me, Margaret with something about Bollywood and she was like, Oh, this is gonna be way too cheesy. So she didn't uh, even reco- like didn't even request for it. But then I got into another contest like I think it was a month later and she saw it again and she was like, Okay, why do I keep seeing this? So she clicked on whatever I think I think we did like a first page maybe and she requested it straight away. Um, and so actually I I probably maybe sent out ten queries total before Uh, these contests and then once I did the contest and then my agent had seen it like and then she I think after that contest within one week she had set up a call and an offer of representation and yeah I signed with her and yeah the rest is history I guess
0: that's great now what was maybe one of the biggest once you got an agent and you kind of got through this process what was maybe one of the biggest uh, surprises or something you didn't expect through this whole process of going from getting an agent to actually getting a book out to the public?
1: Gosh, I think the whole process is pretty like, Oh, like the whole time I, it's almost like, you know, something you can't really prepare for because it doesn't happen the same for anyone. And my story is not like super typical either. Right. So It's one of those things where I I guess you also kind of think, oh, now I have an agent. Like, that feels like such a huge hurdle that once you get an agent, you feel like, okay, the rest is just going to start coming into place. And, you know, she's got the connection, she knows what she's doing. And, like, I don't know. I guess the biggest thing I didn't really know to prepare for was the fact that, like, it kind of plays on your mind because. Even though it's like I really trusted my agent, I think she's amazing. And I knew like, you know, we she was always asking me, you know, do you want to know who I'm sending it to? Do you want to know their responses? And I just said, Yeah, I wanna know like if they pass why if or whatever. So like we were had a very open communication about everything. I knew what she was doing. I wasn't left in the dark. So in that sense, like I felt very comfortable, but at the same time, I was like, you know, you're supposed to be working on something else while all this is going on because it can take forever. So I, I know this, right. But when I'm starting to work on something else, like it's hard, like there's a bit of a block because part of you is like, why am I going to delve so deeply into this person's voice when I know, you know, I'm going to have to jump back into karma's head and do some editing. And I don't know. And then you're like, and then you're comparing everything to that. And it actually got worse when karma sold, because then I felt like, Oh, like, okay, it's sold. And then and I, I really couldn't work on anything else. It just, I couldn't really immerse myself into any other manuscript, even though edits from my editor were, you know, like probably three to five months in between, like there was a, a huge gaps. Um, it's, and even now that people are reading karma and I, the one manuscript that I had been working on, like my agent and I kind of decided let's put this aside for three or four and let's work on this one for book two. Like I'm still struggling through edits with it. Like I find it like people are saying this and this about Carmen. I'm like, Oh, like they're going to expect these kinds of things from this one. And this one's kind of different. And I don't know, you just start kind of letting all this stuff go around your brain. And it really, truly, I think affects you like creatively and, Like, I found it almost like I'm less prolific now that I sold a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think the rest of it, you just kind of, like, thankfully now, like, with uh, Facebook and Twitter, like, you kind of know you're not the only person, like, waiting for months to hear about this or that. So in that kind of sense of the whole publishing process, I think, like, if you do feel a bit nervous, you can just say something you know, we have like the 2017 debut group. You can just say, like, anyone else experienced this? And there's going to be a dozen other people who have, you know? So, in that sense, I think none of it really surprised me or scared me. It's, I think, more my personal uh, writing is what I didn't. I really thought, like, you know, once you have this affirmation, you'll just go forward boldly and be like, yeah, tear it apart. But now I'm just, I, I really am struggling a lot with writing yeah after karma.
0: Hmm. Now, as a middle grade writer, uh, do you think it's helped you that uh, you kind of trained to be a teacher uh, within this uh, age and also you have kids of your own? Does that experience uh, help you when you know writing these stories about these young characters?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely, but I still just think like you don't have to be a teacher, you don't have to have kids to be an amazing author. I think it's just remembering a lot of yourself when you were that age, because honestly, like I can say, you know, like karma is similar to my girls. She is, but she's pretty much way. it's a lot more of my personal experience. Like my kids have had completely different experiences and I might be able to ask them, like, how did you feel about this or that? But like, you know, you can't really articulate someone else's feelings as well as you can your own and your own memories and your own. And I think that was something I always kind of held on to since I was young. And since I've written since I was young, like I can remember specific things from like second grade and like the exact feeling like I can remember it so powerfully and just be like, oh, like, I don't know. I, I really think it's more about like, how you remember your childhood. And I definitely think you can't write about like how it was when you were a kid. Cause things are so different now. I mean, you know, when I try to tell my kids things, they just look at me like, Oh my gosh, you're so old. Like we don't even understand what that means. So I do think it does help like freshen up your writing, knowing younger kids, having nieces and nephews or um, yeah. Being around kids. It definitely does, uh, does help. But honestly, I think most of it is just trying to pull out all those emotions from when you were younger is the best way to write for kids.
0: And so if you were to be able to give uh, Kamakular's mustache to the younger version of Christy, who was Mm. in her playroom with that huge bookshelf, (laughs) do you think, uh, is it safe to say that the younger version of yourself would eat this book up and enjoy it?
1: I hope so Um, because you know how when you read books that you loved when you were a kid and you like read it now sometimes you're like like I don't know I, I remembered it differently or it affected me differently and part of me is like is my writing going to speak to kids that age because currently it's mostly adults who have read karma like the the all the reviews I'm getting these are all all adults reading it right so part of me feels like okay other adults are getting it am i writing to them am i writing to the kids are is the language really gonna speak to kids i think i'm really nervous about that and i i do think about that sometimes like what if i did have this book i do hope that if i read it when i was younger i would at least know i'm not the only person because honestly i think that was me and fourth grade and third grade thinking like I have to do this because you know it's like I I would hope that if I had gotten that book someone passed it to me in second or third grade I would at least be like I'm not the only person I would at least hope that's the smallest I could have taken away from it
0: sure and that's great all right so a few questions then sort of as we kind of wind down first one is what is your favorite movie that's based on a book
1: My favorite book that was made into a movie would definitely be Labyrinth.
0: Very good. Good. And so was there any books that maybe were, uh, you know, classics, books that have been well read for years, that are well loved, that you just could never really get into or just disliked altogether?
1: Yes. And this is actually one of Beverly Cleary's books, and I could never finish it, and it I'm kind of one of those people that, like, I finish everything, whether I like it or not. But um, Dear Mr. Henshaw, I just couldn't – I don't know. I just did not like that book. And it really bothered me because it even has – is it a Newbery or something? It has an award on the front of it. Um, And I just remember, like, like I knew that award meant this was a good book. But I couldn't get through it. And even – now like when I look at it when I go home and it's still on the bookshelf in my bedroom I'm like oh like why did my mom leave that in here I don't even like that book
0: and so last question then what is the last great book that you've read
1: ah uh, great book actually I'm reading one now I'm not even finished with it but I can't stop talking about it it's the one of us is lying Karen McManus that right now is like really hitting all the right places for me. It's definitely, I keep thinking of the breakfast club movie when I'm reading it and it's got murder. It's got intrigue. I mean, I'm really into this book.
0: Well, Chrissy, thanks so much for joining us uh, and best of luck to Karma Kular's mustache. And we hope (laughs) to hear more from you in the future.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This, This is really fun.
0: And that does it for another episode of what book hooked you. Thank you very much to uh, Christy Vintage for joining me. Her debut, Carmel Coulard's Mustache, comes out on August 15th. Be sure to check that out. And thank you to all those who have reached out and said how much they've enjoyed listening to the podcast over the past couple episodes. And if you feel so inclined, you can reach out as well. It's you at gmail.com, or you can consider giving a rating on iTunes. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, Keep reading.